If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. This is ridiculous, y'all. It's totally Phoebe from Friends. I, yeah. She's got like the sexy voice because she's got a cold and it's all deep and she actually sounds good singing. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Smelly cat, smelly. Yeah, um, I just started smoking 16 packs a day since the last time I talked with you. You just decided to hang out by open tar burning canister <laughs> to like you know, mm-hmm. cleanse the demons, right? Yeah, this is why we're drinking hot toddies again today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> They're the easiest version. Make it yourself. Have fun. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. <clears throat> oh, me. Hi, Marlea. Hi, Patrice. <laughs> It's still me. It's still you. You may not sound like you, but it's you. Uh, let's see. You could, you could do Old Man River. Old Man <laughs> River. <laughs> good, yes. That's a good one. I love that song. You just, oh, no, no, I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Smoke some more. Yep, I got it. Oh, wow. So we were talking about... Uh, Covered bridges. And about the fact that we never do our homework. And we never we totally <laughs> expect you all to do it for us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yes. And, well, I just, like, when I leave the pod basement, it's just like my brain goes, like, it's done. And yep. it goes other places and other things. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, we talked about doing that. So there's some very quick... Um, research on why we have covered bridges and what's the deal with cover I feel like Jerry Seinfeld what's the deal with covered bridges <laughs> so what's let me up with those? what's up with those so let me tell you what's up with covered bridges and it's kind of like a big duh <laughs> that you know we should have thought of this so the reason that there are covered bridges is obviously to cover the wooden bridge (laughs) so that the weather would not affect it so you wouldn't die oh so it's not for the people on the bridge it's for the it's actually construction for the the bridge itself so that it doesn't deteriorate and so that they don't have to replace it like every year okay so they could replace the roof of the wooden bridge without worrying about like people plummeting to their deaths (laughs) that's very good so yeah that's nice. So now we all know why there are covered bridges. So thank you, Andrew, because he posted more covered bridge stuff on our fan page. Right, and actually like, hey, jogged our that. Yes, jogged our mid, uh, memory this morning. I was like, oh yeah, shit, we forgot to do that research. So yeah, it's funny because we we are always like, we're really going to look into that. We're going to look into that. We'll let you know later. Y'all know by now, we're not going to let you know a shit thing. <laughs> like we're just like we leave here and we're just like, oh yeah, it was interesting at the moment, but we were drunk then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't even use like being drunk as an excuse for my memory anymore. It's just, Me neither. Mine is raunchy uh-huh. bad. My memory's awful. Oh my goodness. So thank you guys for being our memory for us. Yes. <coughs> I'll try to keep that to a minimum. 
Yeah. Oh, I would love and, to live near a covered bridge, but I'm wondering. I was going to look at that covered bridge. Oh, yeah, it's still wood. So, yeah, that would be scary. So before you drive over a covered bridge, if you have that opportunity, I would totally check out the integrity <laughs> of the bridge. When I first started to learn how to drive, I learned how to drive a Volkswagen Rabbit. And it was green. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> and it was green in color, and we just called it like Kermit. Oh. And so it was a stick shift. And so I learned how to drive a stick shift. And I learned early because I'm I was ready to leave the house when I was probably like six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to become an adult and just be independent <laughs> and do my own thing and drive my own cars at six years old. But um Alas. Alas. Uh, <laughs> a few things there. And I kind of regret, I mean, I was always very independent, but I regret having that push and not enjoying my childhood. I really should have just like basked in all the things, childhood, as much as possible as trying to force myself to be an adult early on because being an adult is not all it's cracked up to be. Mm, no. <laughs> and so learned how to drive stick shift out in the country and one of the things that I had that was on the road that I was learning how to drive uh, was a wooden bridge. This was not a covered bridge because we were in poor ass rural Mississippi. This was like hope to God it doesn't fall in yes. kind of wooden bridge. And it, and, it, and it had those so it had like the planks going across it and then like vertically where your wheels were supposed to. there was yes, like, like two planks where you're supposed to hit perfectly with your wheels so that you don't go off the bridge mm -hmm. it was horrifying that was like trial by fire uh of how i learned how to drive at a young age with a stick shift that's good because there's nothing that's going to come at you after that, right? Right. Like, there is nothing, nothing except for 18 wheel, uh, wheelers mm. because I used to get so scared of the big trucks that I would literally pull over on the side of the road and let them pass as they're passing oh going the other direction, not like <laughs> passing me on the road so that they had plenty of room and then I got back on the road. Good luck driving to Atlanta. <laughs> I quickly got over that. But as like a small town girl you know when there was actually cars on the road it freaked me out for a while until you know obviously yeah i drove in atlanta and that cured me oh my god <laughs> one weird thing we were actually driving between atlanta and birmingham on thanksgiving day this year this year yeah and i saw maybe three trucks huh. it was the most surreal <laughs> travel experience ever because I was like look at all these fucking cars and then I was like there's just cars and about halfway to Birmingham I was like oh my god I haven't seen a truck <laughs> that's weird and it was really weird it's like they all took Thanksgiving off oh good for them yeah good for you truckers I know it's like yay okay so covered bridge driving wooden bridges Early yep. age, anxiety, nightmares. I've been on one of those wooden bridges, like when we were in Missouri fishing with Randy's dad. Mm -hmm. the, the, we got up to the creek that we were supposed to park on the other side of, and we like got to that bridge. And, I'm, uh, you know, we bought both the kids in the car. And actually, it was Randy driving and not me, but I was just like 
what the living fuck. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you have to just like pray and just like hold the car steady. That's that's really all there is. And I'm I I don't think I breathed while I like drove over the bridge. It was like, okay, we're just going to point and shoot and hope we make it. And that's kind of <laughs> like my philosophy of driving over a wooden rickety ass bridge. It's like the same as going into one of those car washes where you have to get <laughs> oh, your wheels it's in exactly the same. without that kid from high school that's <laughs> like, no, no, a little to left, little to left mm-hmm. until he like doesn't tell you to stop until you're pretty sure you've already run over his foot. You know, and <laughs> are you're there, like, what the fuck, man? Are you're fisting to run into the car that's exactly in front of you, like uh, three inches and he's playing the game of like trying to get you as close as possible <laughs> to that car <laughs> right uh, drink break drink break oh my goodness I love toddies so you go first today? I think so I think I do go first Yay. today <coughs> pardon me yeah I've been Man, it took me a solid half an hour to get my voice to this point today. Oh, my God. Bless your heart. And it was like one of those things. It's like one of those nasty colds where it's like you have to do, you know, the nasal spray and the neti pot. Do you you Mm -hmm. you, use a neti pot? Oh, yeah. And like the hot shower and all the meds and everything and the steroid inhaler. And I'm like in the shower just blowing shit out my face that really should never have lived inside my face. (laughs) I'm like, where did you come from? (laughs) How did you fit in there? (laughs) Just like scurry off and go start your own family. Oh my god, I almost breathed that. That's not, that might have helped, like breathing some whiskey. Oh my god, yes. Mm. Yeah, so... Uh, well, just feel free, like, if you have to have a coffin fit, we can always <laughs> just, like, cut that part out and play some lovely music and then cut back in. <laughs> my, coffin the music. <laughs> do, 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 <laughs> She's over here. Do, do. <laughs> Um, hopefully I won't have to do that, but I haven't talked this much since I got sick, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. You're totally going to lose your voice this afternoon. You'll be like, don't talk to me, kids. That's okay. I can, I can not have a voice up until next Friday. (laughs) Because our next recording. Yes, our 50th recording. Yeah, somehow we're two, two episodes off, but it's our annual anniversary it's our annual anniversary it's our annual anniversary it's our annual anniversary um yes so december 13th is literally the day that we did our first podcast recording and it fall it miraculously falls on friday the 13th because it's perfect right and even though it will be episode 50 we figured out where we put in some listener lures mm-hmm. during two weeks and because that's because pod x was one for right. sure where we weren't able to yeah i think we threw in a listener lure around pod x because we weren't able to get our our uh, stuff in time right and then the other one is just because we needed a break mm-hmm. so 50th anniversary 50th, 50th episode anniversary friday the 5th 13th, 13th. Shit. i'm just gonna stop talking friday the 13th take it away now the um, next time we record and that will be our 50th episode podversary thank you and um we're gonna have a blast we're gonna have some special people here with us and we'll um, have a third mic what we'll have a third yeah mic. we got our third mic i didn't even tell courtney that i don't think maybe i did she's, you did she's fucking key west right now so whatever <laughs> but um <laughs> love you courtney but we hate you right now um yeah 
Oh, so very excited about that. And then we're taking a break. And then we're taking a break, but we'll still probably throw, I'm not promising, but we may throw some stuff up, but I'm not going to promise. I'm, I'm sitting here shaking my head like, don't do any work. <laughs> yeah. Give yourself so, a break and yeah, stop doing work. No new work um, until the new year. But we will be excited to come back to you in the new year. It's oh, only a couple weeks. It's only, it's like, gone. yeah, it's, it's, it'll be like that. Don't um, leave us. Do not leave us. <laughs> also, we have t-shirts for sale. If you go to the website and go under merch, there's t-shirts and it's the crow and skull t-shirt and the cicada t-shirt. So we got them in medium, large, extra large, and they're like the quality tees because I hate buying t-shirts and them be like the shitty t-shirts. Mm, they're soft. They are soft. They wash well. They don't shrink. Um, and it's basically a work of art on every single t-shirt. And I'm only saying that because they were hand screen printed. Yeah. So and there's going to be. designed them. There's and Riverhouse screen printed them. Right. Yeah. And so it's. Riverhouse. Like, right. Mm-hmm. And he'd, so there's like, everyone's a little bit different. So, you know, not each one's not the same. And it'll Raise your hand if you get the upside down one. Yeah. yeah there is an upside down <laughs> one. And a reverse, like back on front, mm. front on back one. So, mm. you know, flaws that makes things special. Yep. Just in time for Christmas. So hurry up and get that done because mm-hmm. I don't want to spend like Christmas Day going to, well, you wouldn't, maybe a New Year's Day <laughs> present. I don't know. Just fucking buy a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking now. <laughs> My words and brain are not aligning. Yay. All right. Take it away. All right. I'm going to take <laughs> it gonna away I'm just going to shut the fuck up now. This is, uh, yeah, so uh, I have a story. <laughs> I have a story that I worked out this morning. Um, so this actually, I already I did know about this. And someone also told us about it after we started doing this show. Um, I can't remember who you are. So raise your hand online if you want to let us know. And I will give you thanks. But um, anyway, so on uh, County Road 86 in Prattville, Alabama, um, it's Indian Hills Road. And it's on the west side of Route 82. There's a place called the Miracle Cross Garden. Oh, mm. yes. We had actually several people tell us about this. Okay. So somebody at the Goat House. Oh, that's right. Somebody did mention it at the Goat House. So Because yeah. it's not far from Montgomery. I mean, it's right. you know, we, we could have gone that way if we'd right. been going back that way. And yeah, and I do think somebody wrote in early on mm-hmm. talking about it. But um, yeah, so... Uh, this is the cross garden. It was, it's been described as one man's testament to his faith. Okay. Um, and like before I go any further with that, it's funny because it's not unusual to have people's testaments of faith like all over the goddamn roads around here. Oh, yes. Um, like every country. Road. Whether their faith is football yes, or Christ. Exactly. Or both. But only those two. Right. <laughs> um. Or Trump, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. It's that guy south of Jacksonville that paints oh, those damn billboards. Oh, my God. But anyway, yeah. so um, lots of country roads have hand-painted signs that are covered with scripture and damnation generally. <laughs> um, and then there's like when you're going to like a tourist spot in the south, you're lucky if you don't find a series of progressive billboards. This is something that happens like up in Missouri and in Illinois too, but um, – like these progressive billboards are like the little kind of plywood billboards. There's one like every 
second and a half of your drive. So it's like, have you accepted Jesus Christ? Right. Like as you keep on going down the <laughs> you road. You are going to, to hell. Um, <laughs> Go to church. So like this doesn't necessarily sound that weird when you first, you know, start. It's like okay, everybody has a testament of their faith here. But um, this one is three acres large. Oh. It covers a full half mile of the road on wow. both sides and extends we back. Really should have detoured away from the road. We're to gonna get that we're experience. gonna do this one yeah. again. Um, <coughs> there are crosses of all sizes perched on the hill, extending back from the road. So there's like a little embankment that goes up, and then woods and everything. But it's just you turn around and look up, and it's they're everywhere. They're taller than you. They're right under your feet. They're all over the place. Crosses with writing on them. And they're surrounded by like rusty metal sheets. It's like a junkyard. Ovens, old recliners, cars, washing machines, whole buildings, fence posts, plywood, air conditioner covers all over the place. All covered with messages, hand painted in black or white or red. Jesus, you will die. No ice water in hell. Please don't go to hell. Jesus saves Jesus loves you. Sex, sin, hell. Sex pit, help me, Jesus is one. Which is really funny because a guy on Reddit was like, last one to the sex pits, a rotten egg. <laughs> but um, that almost sounds like a, a, a rock album. Like, yeah. Kind of like, what was, was this? The, sex pit, help me, Jesus. Yeah, sex pit, help me, Jesus. It will be. It will be. But uh, it's, it's funny because all the, all the sin stuff is always like... It's always focused on like sex and drugs as though those are the only bad things Instead anybody of like ever does. And adultery, sex isn't bad. Right. Sex or murdering people. <laughs> or like really the really bad sins. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, like I mean genocide. Read I seriously. Like <laughs> genocide well, you know, there's a biblical case for genocide. Uh, I like I'm just saying. Yeah. It's like it's this is why literalism sucks. Right? Like, there's a biblical case for just about everything. Except for pride and, like, taking money from people. So, you know, but those are the things that as Americans, we just we just can't follow that shit. Anyway, so on one side of the road, there's this chapel. Chapel, quote unquote chapel. It's a shack. It's like a, a wooden shack. Chapel. The chapel. The shackle. The shackle. <laughs> Covered with just all the same kind of graffiti. Um, there's a hole in the hill further back that he calls the tomb of Jesus. Um, oh my God, really? There's a display that like rails against drug use and methamphetamines that's paved with beer cans walking up to the display. Um, there was one other guy on Reddit that said, it's a lot to take in and you kind of feel like zombies or ghouls or deliverance rednecks will come out at any minute. Which is fair. Fair, yeah. Because I have a feeling if I didn't know that this was there, mm-hmm. like if I was just going down this road to find something, I would probably oh, be terrified. my God. You'd be like, mm-hmm. what universe did I just wormhole through? Mm-hmm. And yes. Yes. Now, the guy who created all this, his name was William Carlton Rice, W.C. Rice. It took him more than 20 years to do it all. Um, and he is not scary. He does say at one point that he did this to scare the hell out of people. But like H-E, like capital H, hell. Mm. He wants it to be like he wants people to be like taken aback by it. But he's not a scary guy 
Except he's kind of a scary but guy. But I was like, but really? Is he like that that uh, Ted Bundy not scary guy? No, he's not as he's not attractive, no. Uh, okay. I, well, see, I never thought Ted Bundy was attractive. But anyway. that was one of his things though, wasn't it? Like yeah, people say people that he kept was telling so charming, he's a charming and attractive? attractive. I did not find his unibrow attractive. <laughs> well, I can share a video of W.C. Rice and you will not find him attractive at all either. Okay. So it took him more than 20 years to build this thing. He was a house painter by trade, like as a young man. He was not religious as a young man. So he'd never gone to church. He knew nothing about church um, until he was trying to date his wife, Marzell, um, who did go to church. Mm -hmm. So he started going to church kind of to get with her. Mm -hmm. And um, then on April 24th, 1960, at two in the morning, and he is consistently, this is exactly when this happened. He started praying for healing from an ulcerated stomach. Like he'd had really, really bad stomach pains and he was praying for healing. And he says that God healed him at two in the morning and saved him too. He like spoke in tongues. He received salvation. So, and like, uh, we, have we talked about this before? Like the whole, the evangelical Baptist Protestant, like, what does saved mean? Like, is everybody clear on that? Do you think? Or uh, yeah, I that just means you're not going to hell now. Yeah, basically, I think that's what that's, that's what it's going for. Right? It's like, like you signed a contract with God, and yeah. everything's right, and you're gonna live by a sin free life. Yeah, now. and it's and it's one of those things that's like a. It's a jargon filled, like, right. Uh, everybody knows what so to say about much, it, but yeah. it doesn't really mean much. Or say anything. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, once you get down to it, because it's also right. not biblical. I mean, I'm getting like all like whatever. Right. I'm not a theologian or anything, but I've we read just it play one times. on this podcast. I know. I just pretend to be one here <laughs> just to confuse everyone because the devil is in me. But um, no, it's like, it's one of, it's not in the Bible anywhere. Like salvation the way that they describe it that is not described but then mm. they you know they say romans road like the romans 2 like it tells you that that's what salvation is i don't know anyways okay. yeah look into it yourself if you care it's right. it's a it's a confusing thing i think god loves everybody i don't believe in hell so that's my own thing but um but uh so he said he was saved he said he spoke in tongues um and his wife said it, this was a quote from a, a newspaper article that I found. Okay. Marzell Rice said, I remember when he was saved, he preached a sermon to me that very morning. Oh, Jesus. And he said he was going to go out and tell the world. Mm -hmm. And that like, the first thing this dude does is like sermonize his wife who's been going to church way longer than he Right. Has. Oh, mansplain Christ to her. <laughs> right. I bet she enjoyed that. <coughs> But it's one of those things that's like, you know, the, the evangelical, ver, you know, version of Christianity says there is no point in doing this unless you tell everyone. Right. And that's what that's he's, you know, he's taking yeah. this to heart and he's saying, OK, well, this is I'm going to follow. It's what it says. I'm actually going to do it, which in one way, got to give him props because there's plenty of people who say that's what they believe and don't do shit. Right. You know, but still, I mean, honestly, kind of speaking <clears throat> from personal experience as a heathen in the Christian <laughs> in the South, South. <laughs> um, it's really disconcerting sometimes when you're at the grocery store and you're just trying to buy an orange and then the fella next to you starts preaching to you. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, uh, walk away slowly. Yeah. Do that nice 
southern thing of grinning and nodding mm-hmm. to the crazy people to try to get away. Oh, yeah. And, you know. This was that guy. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah. even weirder than that. Mm. Like, did I tell you that when I went to buy the dolls for our video, like, I got preachified by a guy at the thrift store? Yeah. 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 And I was, it, it was the exact same thing. It's just mm-hmm. like, he's, he's just, just starts a conversation out of nowhere. I'm not even looking at him. And it's asking if you're safe. I don't know how many times I've asked by total strangers if I have been saved. And I was like, you know what? You don't even know my name, so it's clear you don't fucking care. Right. Like, how about you? This say is not hi about first? me. Yeah. This is about you. This is about the this tally is your tally that you keep in your head. Right. Oh my God. Let's it's <laughs> Sunday morning. My daughter just went to ask to get baptized this morning, so I'm just <laughs> conflicted as fuck. Um so um let's see. <laughs> um okay, so he he basically self ordained himself. Mm-hmm. I guess you self ordained himself anyway. Yeah. So uh, he he starts As going by do. people start calling him the Reverend Rice. Oh Jesus! And he preaches to mm-hmm. anyone who who will listen or who won't listen, like the guy with the oranges. Right. Um. So in 1976, so this all this he he gets quote unquote saved in 1960. In 1976, after his mother dies, he sends his kid to get flowers. Or he sends his, his son and daughter, I think, to get flowers for our grave. And they come back with a cross, like, covered in flowers. Like one of those, you know, mm-hmm. monuments that you can get for people. Not monuments, but, you know, made of flowers. Right. And so he was like, this is the best thing you could have done. And not long after that, he has this vision of God telling him to make three crosses and put them up outside. Mm-hmm. And so he, he did it. And there was an article. Um, by- did he marry that girl? Yes. Okay. Yes. The woman who he preached fight at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, there was an article by Barbara Knight that I think was in the Montgomery Advertiser, but I couldn't quite pinpoint it from 1999, um, where he was quoted as saying, like, putting those three crosses outside was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. He said, it hurt my chest. It's not something that people are used to seeing in a man's yard, mm-hmm. but it was a way of exposing Jesus to the world. I beg to differ. Uh, well, you know. At the same time, though, it's like I kind of expected him to just be like gung ho from the get go, but he did have trepidation. He had moments where he was like, this is going to be people are going to think I'm nuts. But he put the stuff up because he believed that God had told him to put the stuff in the yard. Okay, so he doesn't stop there. God then tells him to put crosses up all over his den inside his house. Which I'm like, I'm just picturing this dude in this dark, like poorly lit, tiny Panel, ranch wood house, paneling. wood paneling everywhere with like fluorescent lights, mm-hmm. just like 24 seven nailing crosses to his wall. Mm. And that might not be far from what actually looked like. Right. So for a year, he decorated his den with cross after cross after cross after cross. It's this kind of little turtle collection. You know, you collect <laughs> turtles, you buy all the turtles at the little thrift stores. Oh, I know. Your friends buy you the turtles for Christmas. And then you never get away from turtles and for the rest of your life. And then you are that turtle person. Mm-hmm. So, you know. It's true. Um, so, like, you couldn't see the walls of his house after, like, you know, a year of right. him putting up crosses and crucifixes everywhere. Every available story. He had them hanging from the rafters. Um, they were, like, in between them or behind them were, like, pictures of his family and newspaper clippings about the cross garden, which people started to come to pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, by 1980, there were, like, multiple news articles about this thing that he had made. Right. And so he would keep those and he would Xerox them and he would keep them to give to people and to post on his wall. Um, one guy who went there 
and visited with Rice said um, he was looking around the walls of the den and he said there was a flea collar tacked up on the wall between all the crosses. And um, he asked WC, like, what is up with the flea collar? And Marzell, Rice's wife, yells over from the sofa. That was his dog, and it would follow W.C. all around all day. When he would go to the church out there, the dog would follow him and pray alongside him. It was a good dog. So they kept his flea collar. His flea collar. Oh, my gosh. <coughs> and okay. I was like, bless, I guess this is how him. you do hoarding with a little bit of, like... Purpose? Purpose, yeah. Hoarding with purpose. But, you know, honestly, it's these little weird incidences that keeps the south strange i know it is definitely strange it is definitely strange yes and you know growing up here it's like these kind of things are very uncomfortable at times or not out of the ordinary but i could just imagine somebody that has never gone through that kind of stuff coming down here and having that happen to them you know and you've got me thinking like you know i I don't feel like i ever saw that much of that kind of stuff up north Mm -hmm. and I don't know if maybe I just didn't go to the same places or as rural communities. But at the same time, I feel like in the South, like there's, (laughs) I hate to say it like this, but I think most people wear it as a badge of honor. There's like a pig headedness. Oh my God. Big pig headedness. That like you're, there's not as much like concern for what other people are going to think. It's like, I think, whereas there are a lot of people who are, they're, it's just such a weird thing because on one hand, I would say there's not as much concern for what people think. But on the other hand, that can be worse around here than anywhere else in the country. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But those people who decide to throw it away, like throw it the fuck away. Right. And they're just like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Right. I, so, I mean, I kind of respect that a lot. I don't know. <laughs> it, it does give it the uniqueness, but there's there's <clears throat> so much. Yeah. I don't know. There could be a dissertation on this. Oh, I'm sure we there could, are we could, many, many, many. We could talk all day about Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this during the after show. Yes. But um, meanwhile, so anyways, he's he's done his den. He's done these three crosses. Then he starts painting messages on anything he can find and putting them out by the road. This is where all that other shit comes from. Mm-hmm. He says that everything that's written on anything in the garden was told to him by God. God gave him the messages and the strength to do it. Sometimes he'd be out there two, three, four in the morning painting shit well i mean bless his heart that at least he's doing that yeah at least that's what scott asks him to do he is not ted bundy he is not ted bundy exactly Um, and it's like numerology stuff like there are random numbers that seem random numbers painted everywhere oh occult stuff (laughs) well it's weird judaism has numerology right so like he says there the number eight is everywhere if you ever go and you notice the number eight that is the number of people that were saved in noah's ark that's his explanation of why the number eight keeps coming up in his visions. The number 27, he doesn't have an explanation for why this is a common number, but it's through his life of faith. So his mother was born on the 27th, died on the 27th. He bought the 27th burial plot. Like there are a lot of 27s in his faith life. And so that seems to be like a significant number. So he puts it everywhere. Okay. Um, there was an Aniston Star article in 1983 that was actually really helpful um, about this. So in 1980, um, W.C. builds the chapel that I talked about. Um, it, he called it the Church of God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost Roadside Chapel. It is it is a Proper shed. name. Yes. Yeah. Um, where And people would actually come and pray with him. There was sitting space inside. There was like two benches and an old recliner or some shit inside. Mm-hmm. There were like construction paper, red and black crosses hanging from strings from the ceiling. Um, 
And there was a pulpit at the front that was just made out of an old tree trunk that he rolled in and put a Bible on top of. So, but I don't think you can get in there anymore, but that's what it was when it was open. He drove a red truck with white crosses painted all over it with a giant, really tall cross. It was just, um, that was, uh, uh, mounted in the back of the truck bed, um, that he called it the cross car. People who visited sometimes called it the hell car. He apparently had a cross van at one point too, that he would just drive these around as advert, you know, mm-hmm. advertisements for Jesus, I guess, right. just being preaching, on the highway. Preaching the word. And um, so not like people have interviewed him a lot, but interviews don't go like interviews with W.C. Rice. So it was, this was not just an attraction to him. Like he didn't want people to just see it. And then take what they could and leave. Like, he wanted people to come talk to him. And he lived on the property. His house was right there. And it was all in front of his house. And it was all, I mean, it's written on the eaves of his house. In, in on his porch, on his front porch, and on his, like, his sign, in posts and everything, his, um, his rail posts. So until he passed away of pneumonia in 2004, people who stopped by would always, not always, but would very often find him either sitting in a folding chair in the lawn under a tree or they would just walk up and knock on his door and he would be sitting in a lazy boy in his den and he would ask them to come in and talk to him. Okay. And so he always had, he wore this like white button up shirt, but he had taken magic marker and drawn crosses all over the white button up shirt. Um, he had always multiple crosses around his neck, but they weren't like jewelry crosses. They were like fucking wall crosses. So they were like, you know, a foot wide. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he would have them hung around his neck. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, roadside America had an article on him. They, they, he was in a, under a tree, um, sitting in a chair with a big black dog loping around him when they ran up against him that day that they went to look at it. And he agreed to an interview, but he told him, I get on one thing like it's a river, so I can't ask questions. And I tell people, I try to keep on my mind on one thing, but it's just like the ocean. It's too big. So you you ask me a question, I'll try and answer it, but you know, I'm just going to, He said, I ain't no educated man. I'm no smart man. I got my college degree. It's the greatest degree of all from God, Jesus, and the Holy. Get down, Rocky, get down. (laughs) (laughs) That that (laughs) is pretty much any dog owning Southern place. That was my Thanksgiving. (laughs) People (laughs) yelling at their dog to get down. Like, that works. It's my dog, too. (laughs) Oh, my God, that was awesome. (laughs) And that's how they wrote it. So I just had to give them props at Roadside America because it's amazing. Um, He basically, he says the exact same things to everybody. He really doesn't answer questions. He just starts his thing. And he just goes on with his thing. And it gets very confusing very fast. Hmm. Like, a lot of what he says doesn't make sense. Like, some, uh, like... um, I can relate. Yeah, that's true. He does, he compares himself to Noah a lot. And he says, like, everybody thought Noah was crazy because God told him to build an ark in his yard and it wasn't even raining. And, you know, I feel like Noah. So, yeah, I can see that. Right. But, um... 
Like his little speeches will start going south and he's talking about squirrels and shit and trying to do some metaphor that doesn't pan out. And Mm. it just kind of wanders around in evangelical jargon and you don't really know what's being said. But he keeps these Xerox sheets of articles and like tracks that he's written himself. He keeps them in rusty mailboxes along the road so that people can just take them or he keeps them in his den so he can give them out to people. Um, But people have come from all over the country and from abroad to see this guy's work. Oh, yeah. And so he has like a series, a long series of spiral bound guest books in his living room and people will sign those and he keeps track of how many people have been there. Um, if it's funny, cause as I've said this, if any of you art people have thought Howard Finster, that's what, that's the category. A lot of folks put him in the Georgia Baptist preacher that did a whole bunch of like Christian folk art. Right. Um, a lot of people thought of WC Rice this way, but he didn't. He was like, I'm not an artist. I'm doing what God told me to do. This is not art. Right. This is just what I'm told to do. And despite that, he's been featured in folk art books, blogs, I could totally say that. articles. He His work has been purchased. He, he does allow people or did when he was alive. And I have feeling some of this, some of the stuff that may have been exhibited different places has probably just been stolen. Right. But he did allow people to purchase stuff for basically a donation to his ministry is how he, right. Um, he said he, he's been exhibited in Pennsylvania, Missouri, Chicago, New Orleans. Um, he's been in books, um, about, uh, folk art and um, one of his pieces is a rusty metal sheet with the word Jesus painted on it in white paint is actually in the Smithsonian American Art Holy Museum. Holy fuck. That's awesome. So <laughs> he, I mean, he Well, is, when you were talking about like the marker shirt with the crosses yeah. and the big, you know, <clears throat> like bling wall cross kind of thing. I mean, that is such, that's such, that's branding. Yeah. That is so like, that's not far from what a lot of, I mean- well, first of all, folk artists, you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of their communication about is about their lives. And that's what they paint about and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's a calling and it's an obsession. And mm-hmm. it's like they spend their whole life doing that. And that's what, you know, really gives them the name and makes them popular. Uh, it's not about whether they think it's art or not. It's just a calling mm-hmm. like this guy had. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's weird because it's like there's that kind of brain right? all over the place. It just depends on how it's used and right. you know, how it's taken. You know? Exactly. I've said a billion times, like, the, the line between crazy and passionate and the line between, like, crazy and genius is so so razor thin it's, it's not even really a line there is no line it's there's just like, a perception right you know? there's there's moving from one side to the other yeah d- depending on your your perception yeah. of it yeah and a lot of times in art and being you know teaching art and stuff you see that you know a lot of people who are so fucking talented mm-hmm. are like on that borderline you know of what is their reality? Their reality is not necessarily everybody else's reality. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's just so different. It's so fascinating to me. So, yeah, looking at it from oh that gosh. standpoint is interesting. But yeah. anyway, so if you want to um, learn any more about it, I'll provide lots of links on the show notes. Um, most of them are older. Like I said, he did die in 2004. His family has tried to keep up the place, but it's not in the shape that it was when he was alive. Right. Um, but it is still there. And if you want to see it without driving to Alabama, 
um, go to Google Maps. Oh, yeah. Type in 1393 Indian Hills Road, Prattville, Alabama, and hit Street View. Look on both sides of the street, and you can see it on Street View. Oh, maybe we'll provide a link. Yeah, to I'll it as try well. and provide you a link. Um, so, uh, and I also did find a video that was from a show called uh, what was it? Strange Universe. Mm-hmm. That was around. I guess it said it. The show was only in the nineties. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds familiar. But um, there was. They actually have an interview with him, which is unusual. It's hard to find a filmed interview with him. I, I had a hard time finding it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is done in a very uh, they're they're putting him in a very creepy light mm, I think right. but it's not it's not a bad video if you just kind of want to see the place and see him right because you know, I did I wanted to see the the guy right um, so I'll I'll embed that if I can in the page and you can watch that too so hit the show notes and see it awesome oh my god I'm so glad you did this yay yay we'll be right back. <laughs> The Goat House Beer Garden in Montgomery is our favorite place to go when we're in Alabama's capital, whether it's to do a show, to visit a dilapidated movie set, or to flip off the governor's mansion. (laughs) So I was talking to James, and he was telling me that the Goat House highlights local artists, singer-songwriters, makers, chefs, brewers, and entrepreneurs of all types, just like the Strange South, Mm -hmm. big supporter. They intentionally support only original content because they believe that communities begin, grow, and sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs thrive. It's a great atmosphere, great company, and a lot of fun. And it's less than 10 minutes from Hank Williams' grave, which is haunted. So next time you go to say hi to old Hank, stop by the Goat House Beer Garden. I just want to breathe this. Yeah. It really feels like you should like make a bathtub mm. and fill it <gasps> with whiskey and lemon <laughs> and honey and just soak. <laughs> this needs to be a thing. It needs to be a thing. I wonder how expensive that would be. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's think. <laughs> Let's think. Think how feasible this is. And do you absorb whiskey through your skin? <laughs> this is an eight hundred dollar bath. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, God. Bathing in lemon juice doesn't sound good, though, now that I think about it. No. Bathing it's in honey? Too, yeah. No. And whiskey, maybe? That's a Although it ready would to probably, happen. <laughs> <laughs> find, like, every cut, though. Oh. Like, oh. any paper cut, any, like... Any dry skin. Dry skin. That area around your fingernails at this time mm. of year, that gets really dry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, well. <laughs> on that idea. Right. Maybe we'll... That one on I just want to do that. Do you remember? Do you remember Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> I do remember. Unfortunately, <laughs> do you remember Crocodile Dundee goes to like an '80s Coke party, and he like walks into the kitchen, and a bunch of guys are like doing lines, and he's like, "No, that's not how you do it. If you've got it, because the guy's sniffing, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, you got a stuffy nose. You got to put it in this bowl and." cover it with like boiling water and then put your head over the bowl with a towel and you got to breathe it in. And I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't right. get that when I was eight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, right. When you said Coke party, of course, I'm like a Coca-Cola party. Like with the polar bear, with the polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> was Santa drinking a Coke? <laughs> I, yeah. Sorry. Naive brain. Who's done that? Someone must've done that. Like Coke, Santa, like Coke mm-hmm. Santa. Well, that's the reason why Santa and Coca-Cola, Santa's red. Oh, yeah. Because Santa used to be blue until the Coke company 
decided to make them uh, red to go with his branding. Yeah, if you go to World of Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. it should really shake your faith in the American <laughs> institution of Christmas. Because it, <laughs> yes. if it doesn't, I don't understand your brain at all. <laughs> Makes you question Christmas. Yeah, the video that they make you watch at the World of Coke, unless it's changed, I don't know. But it, right? is, it is all about how like Santa became the face of Coca-Cola. Yes. <laughs> and it's like they co-opted an entire, like... An entire holiday. Yeah. They, they truly did. So, more strange south, man. Like straight Absolutely. in Atlanta, right? Straight from Atlanta. So if you had no idea why we have red Santa when that Santa was originally blue, that is why. And now somebody needs to do me a drawing of Santa doing Coke in a kitchen. <laughs> Please. It'll be my present. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... I, this was the hardest thing to research because I really needed to be like in a legit folklore library with people, <laughs> at least 10 people helping me find sources and origin stories because it's very thin here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just simply because I, I found this story in a book and the title of it like really drew my piqued my interest and so I read it I was like oh that's a really good story I've never heard that before um and then I tried to find like where he found the story and he has like he listed all of his references at the back which is about 20 different folklore books of which (laughs) none like there were no footnotes I didn't know which folklore book and I couldn't get a hold of any of them and they all kind of you know so pretty much stopped me going down that rabbit hole uh so this is just it is what it is but in the story that i'm going to end up telling you i'm gonna tell you two stories in the final story they use this um term called jack my lantern okay so i was like that's what I, i thought it was a typo at first yeah and this is kind of what piqued my interest as well is like i saw this and i'd never heard of this term and i looked it up and um you know this dovetails very nicely with the will of the wisp Mm -hmm. that you've talked about it 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 is jack milaner is a Mm jack-o'-lantern but jack milaner is basically the pronunciation that was used in um uh kind of the rural South. Um, it was used in the African-American community a lot, um, especially, I don't think in our area, but like maybe more towards like the uh, Gullah, Glishi like kind of. the lowlands. The lowlands yeah, over South Carolina. South Carolina and Georgia. So this first tale I'm going to tell you is about Hawk. Huck. Hawk. <laughs> Wait, how it's do like you? Sock. Hawk. It's Hawk. So okay. it's spelled like sock, but with an H. Okay. Hawk. Hawk. Okay. <coughs> and it's really a story for kids uh, talking about a strange light on the marsh called the Jack Lantern. This is a story that I found that, you know, talks about the Jack Lantern. Mm-hmm. And it's based off an old African-American folktale um, in a book called Tales of the Congregee. Well, the Congregee is actually a Native American tribe that lived on the Congregee River. Mm. And so it's from that area. And this is all in South Carolina. Uh, and so, you know, this is like folktale from a folktale from a folktale. You know, it's pretty much following oral tradition through the books of being told and retold and changed a little bit. 
So one night, a young man, man named Huck was walking down the road with his friends, and they were passing a long stretch of marshy land, and they saw a strange light in the distance. Who do you reckon that is, walking out there in the marsh this time of night, said Hawk. I don't see anything, said his friend. Can't you see them, asked Hawk. That's a light bobbing up and down right there, looking for something. Don't look at it, his friend said. That ain't no person. That's a jack lantern and you best leave it alone. You don't know what kind of danger it will lead you to if you follow it. What's a jack lantern asked Hawk. A jack jack lanterns are spirits, the friend replied. They're evil spirits, the ghosts of sinful people who are caught between life and death. And so that's a lot of like what the Will of the Wisp mm -hmm. is talking about. It's like unbaptized <laughs> children yeah. become Will of the Wisp. People, um, it's basically a purgatory mm -hmm. between heaven and hell. And so, and this guy goes on to explain, he's like, they weren't allowed into heaven and they can't get into hell. So their punishment is to wander for all eternity. They wander in the bad places where no one else will go. And, the marshes. The marshes. And on the bad nights when nobody is out, they entice you to follow them and they lead you off the road. So Hulk just laughed. It's like, and I just lost my place. <laughs> he's like, bum, bum, bum. Hook is laughing. Dance break. Dance break. He's still Dance break. laughing. Da-da. He's like, that's no ghost. There's somebody out there walking in the marsh, and I'm going to go look to see who it is. And his friend were like, if they get a hold of you and you follow them, they don't lead you to any good. Uh, when you start to follow, one mind might tell you just to leave them alone and turn back, and another might tell you to follow them. So it's like good angel, bad angel. Like you may see, like say, "Oh, okay, let's go follow them," or you know, your good instinct may like stay the hell away. That's just <laughs> weird. So his friend is like, "Don't be a fool. If they get a hold of you, they'll make you follow them, and once you follow them, you won't be able to stop." And so, of course, Hawk was like, "I'm not scared of any man. I'm gonna go out there, and you can't stop me." And so his friend's like, well, don't say it and warn you. Uh, but it was no use, <laughs> right? Hawk had already made his way out into the marsh. That's a good friend. Oh, that's He's a like, good friend. Later. Later. <laughs> can't Dumbass. help you and your bad decisions. So that night, Hawk didn't come home. His, obviously, his friends were worried when dong broke, and they still he was still wasn't at home. So they went out searching for him, and they found a trail of his footprints leading out into the marsh. And it looked like he had been walking in circles, and that he fell into holes, and he stumbled through the briar. And they followed Hawk's footprints for miles, and eventually they found him, and it was a terrible sight. He was standing in mud up to his waist with his head reared back as if he was holding both hands, and he was holding both hands out in front of him as if he was trying to fend something off. His hair was white, and his eyes were wide open, and there was this horrible grimace frozen on his face. Mm. They called out to him, but Hawk didn't hear them. When... Uh, when he, they actually reached him, they grabbed him by the shoulder, and he was icy cold, stiff, and dead. Ugh. So, again, kind of a <laughs> cautionary tale, which all of the Will-o'-the-Wisp and mm -hmm. um, the Jack-o'-lantern tales and the Jack-o'-lantern tales um, were stay basically out of the stay out of the marshes. But what really caught um, 
uh, and what referred to the Jack Malanern first was this story from um, this book called George, Spooky Georgia, Tales of Haunting Strange Happenings and Other Local Lore. And it's by S.E. Schlosser. <laughs> I feel <laughs> schlosser right now. <laughs> let, me, let me take another drink so I can get schlosser. <laughs> um it's centered around Brunswick, Georgia, which is a city on the southeast coast of Georgia. And it's known for its Victorian-era old-style um, historic district, or old-town historic district, huge century-old lover's oak tree, causeways that link the city to four barrier islands, St. Simmons Island. Oh, um, St. Simons. Simons, sorry. Yes, yes. Simons Island is where Fort Frederica National Monument is. So just a lot of old history in this area, and it has a salt marsh. And um, this this folklore that I'm fisting that I've never heard before, that I'm fisting to uh, relay to you, is called I Know Moonrise. Okay. And so that's the name that like really caught my attention. It's like, oh, you know Moonrise. <laughs> What's going on here? All right. It's all very like, but this is actually mysterious. It's very mysterious, but it is actually folklore from this area. And when I was looking it up, I had a hard time finding like, it was only told in this one place. And I was trying to find like where it came from, like, you know, what was the origin of it? And I found like some of the same tellings a little bit different up in Virginia. Uh, but again, there's really, it's just in this book truly that I have found this um, mention of it. But then again, I didn't do like all the looking through all the other old folklore books and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it's told from the perspective of the son of an enslaved plantation blacksmith. Mm -hmm. All right. And so it said, Mama told me I should never walk alone in the marsh or I should never walk along the marsh shortcut that leads from our home to the town of Brunswick. She says that it was dangerous and I'd get myself killed if I didn't listen to her. At first, this restriction didn't bother me any. I had plenty of work to do at the forge to help Pa, who was the plantation blacksmith. My tasks kept me around the forge most of the time. But when I grew older, the fellers started laughing at me, saying I was a baby because my folks wouldn't let me take the Mars shortcut. So I got mad, and I told Ma to her face that I wasn't listening to her no more. She gave me a terrible scold and sent me to bed without supper. I was so mad over the whole thing, I could have spit nails. She treated me like a baby, and I was 13 years old. <laughs> he was a grown man, Ma. <laughs> it was actually Pa, uh, still smelling of charcoal and smoke from the forge, that came and told me why Ma was so scared of the marsh path. We thought it was best we'd wait until you'd grown some before we told you the story of the marsh path, Pa said. Your ma's little sister disappeared in the marsh a long time ago. She was taking the shortcut to the old pond to gather some firewood, and she never came back. They found her straw hat floating in the stagnant water, but they never found her body. I ain't going to fall in the water like ma's sister who passed. I protested. I'm 13, big enough to walk alone in the marsh. They, that ain't it, son, Pa said. I know you're big enough to walk in the marsh without falling in. 
And he rubbed his face, and he was all sweaty, palmed, and his eyes looked troubled. And chills just ran up my arms. I've never seen Paul at a loss of words before. It's the spirit of your little aunt, Paul's mom oh, said. Shit. She comes to the marsh some evenings, and she sings. Color drained from my face, and my arms grew goose-fleshed. She's a ghost, I gasped, clutching the blanket with tense fingers. Not just a ghost, son, Pa said. You heard the story about Jack Malanners. And so at that point, I was like, no, I have not heard the story about <laughs> Jack Malanners. What's the fucking Jack Malanner? And that's what brought me to the story of Hawk, right? So you heard the story about Jack Malanners. Of course, Pa said, it's an evil spirit that tries to drown you in the marsh. You can see his lanterns flashing sometimes at night. That's why all the fellows wear their jackets inside out when they walk through the marsh. So apparently that was a thing. In order to keep the evil Jack Malanerns and the Will of the Wisp away from you, you'd walk through these areas with your jacket inside out or your pockets turned inside out. Well, that doesn't make no sense at all. Well, it's just a thing, <laughs> right? Um, so that's right. Your little aunt, she's kind of a Jack Malanern. After she drowned, her ghost started floating over the marsh at night, singing softly of death in the grave. She's lonesome and she wants her family to join her, so she lures them to the water with her song. Pa swallowed hard and continued, It's safe for your buddies to walk the path because they ain't family, but if you go there, the ghost will come for you. Shit. I yeah, I pulled my, <laughs> Yeah, no wonder. It's like, you could tell me that at 30, I'd still be like, okay. Not going <laughs> uh, I pulled the covers around my eyes and my whole body just turned to shivers as Pa described the little girl in the swamp. Pa continued, the girl almost got your mama. Back in our courting days, if um, it hadn't <laughs> been for her, your mama, if it hadn't been for her, your mama would have drowned. She was waist deep in water, following that singing voice After before I realized she left my side. I hauled her out of the mud and threw her over my shoulder, dripping gunk and weed all over my new shirt. Man, He's like, what the fuck? Why are you going to be a bitch about your shirt, right? man? Right? You're rescuing? Why do you got to throw that little detail in? <laughs> it's my brand new shirt, son. God. Your mama kicked and hollered something terrible trying to get away from me so she could follow her little sister's ghost. Oh, my God. The spirit floated beside me as I jogged down the trail with your ma over my shoulder, singing I Know Midnight in a sweet voice that made my body shake all over. Your mama screamed at me, wanting to go to her little sister, but I held tight. As soon as I stepped off the marsh path, the ghost vanished and your mom went limp. For a moment, I thought she was dead. But she fainted when the ghost disappeared. That was the last time anyone in the family ever walked the marsh path. I blinked. He was right. I couldn't remember seeing anyone in my family on the marsh path. Grandpa, grandma, the aunts, uncles, and grown-up cousins, they all used the road. Pa realized, uh, Pa saw realization dawn on my face and rubbed the top of my head. You stay away from the marsh, son, he said. I should have listened to Pa. But it was easy to forget the ghost on long, hot days where the fellas and I rambled along the countryside. And after a day of work was done, um, I wasn't thinking about it at the end of the day. Uh, oh, it says, I sure wasn't thinking about it that day. Jimmy and I were caught in Brunswick <coughs> after sunset. My pa's going to be sore on me if I miss dinner, Jimmy said. We better hurry. 
We raced down the road towards our home. Suddenly, Jimmy swerved towards the marsh, and I realized he meant to take the shortcut. I stared after my buddy, torn between speed and safety. I should take the road, but Jimmy was there, so chances were good that the ghost wouldn't come because he weren't family. Besides, I reasoned the little aunt never met me, so why would she want me to join her on the other side? Jimmy's head appeared around the bend of the path. Come on, he called impatiently. I whipped off my jacket, turned it inside out to keep the jack lanterns and my aunt away. Then I raced down the marsh path after Jimmy. It was getting real dark, and phantom lights were popping up in the distance, while the sky was still turning from gray to black. The wind whished, swished through the marsh grasses, all whisper, 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 whisper. Jimmy hugged his arms around his body. He didn't like the sound of that wind. We were walking single-filed along the path with Jimmy in the lead when a bullfrog bellowed beside us. We shouted and feared and nearly toppled into the water beside the path. Then we laughed nervously, clutching each other's um, to steady ourselves. I thought that frog was Jack Milaner, Jimmy exclaimed with a grin. Uh, with a grin that shook me off and head, <coughs> headed down the path. I paused for a moment to admire the moon, which was rising over the treetops, making a glittering path across the still water. As I turned to follow Jimmy, the air around me grew cold till my whole body shook with chills. Out of the silvery moon sparkles, moon sparkle, sparkle, there came a childlike figure that danced and floated above the water like a will-o'-the-wisp. I gasped, my throat tight with fear. I called to Jimmy, just a yard in front of me, but he didn't hear me. I knew he couldn't see the spirit floating towards us in the marsh. My legs shook so bad that I couldn't walk. The silvery will-o'-wisp shimmered and grew until I saw a shining little girl in, my st in a straw hat. My mouth opened and shut like a dying fish. Puffs of freezing air formed in front of my nostrils, and the little girl drew closer to the marsh path. Then she started to sing. I know the moon rise. I know the star rise. Lay this body down. I walk in the moonlight. I walk in the starlight. Lay this body down. I walk in the graveyard. I walk through the graveyard to lay this body down. I lie in the grave and stretch out my arms to lay this body down. I go to the judgment in the evening of the day. When I lay this body down, and my soul and your soul will meet in the day when I lay this body down. Suddenly, I realized lovely pictures floated through my head. He saw himself freed. He went to school, studying long hours to earn a place at the university. He saw himself as an important lawyer, earning enough money to set his parents free. He ran to the old cabin where he once lived to give his ma and pa news. Give him the great news. Ma stood there on the far side of the room. I called out to her, but she wasn't hearing me. She held a hand to her ear and beckoned me closer. I hurried towards her, splashing through the water that came to my knees, my waist, my chest. There was only one thought in my head. I must reach Ma and tell her that she is free. I shouted the words as loud as I could, but my mouth was filled with water and I choked. Mama, I called stretching strangely heavy arms towards her. She reached towards me, and I was overwhelmed by the stink and stagnant marsh water. Mm. My heart froze in fear, for Mama's eyes were glowing silver. 
The world went dark. I woke gasping as someone pounded me on the chest. I choked and threw up all over that person who was thumping on my (laughs) ribs. The muddy water came out of my mouth, tasting as foul as it smelled. I vomited again, this time on lunch, with the marsh water. I could hear Jimmy blubbering in the background, but felt too ill to open my eyes. Then I heard Pa's voice. Son, are you all right, son? I opened up my eyes and saw my my Pa's face above me in the shimmering moonlight. I was soaked to the skin, and my whole body trembled with cold and shook. I saw her paw, I gasped. She sang to me. She sang, and then I lost consciousness. When I woke up in my bed, and Mama was holding my hand and weeping, I stared at her, vowing then and there that I would never again do anything to make my Mama cry. She squeezed her hand and looked up, startled, and she realized I was awake. She hugged me so tight I could barely breathe and scolded me something fierce for disobeying her. I promised her that I'd never walk through the marsh path again, and I kept that promise. But after that night, I had to leave the rice fields whenever the workers sang, I know the moonlight. Hearing the tune made my whole body shake and my mouth (coughs) taste of rotting marsh water. Oh, so that song is actually an African-American spiritual. That's what I was just trying to lick up that song while you were talking. And... There are only a couple of videos where there's like an orchestra playing it. There's like a choir singing it. And there's this woman who's singing it. And it will make you cry. It is so beautiful. Oh, wow. It is so, I'm going to put it at the end of this episode and let it play. Awesome. But it is just so hauntingly, mesmerizingly sad and beautiful. Um, And... Kind of another dovetail. So these marshes that we're talking about are actually are where the story comes from, is the uh, the salt marshes in Glen County, Georgia, and Sydney Lanier. Oh, actually did a poem called "The Marshes of Glen," which was <laughs> featured in his Hymns of the Marshes, which was an unfinished set of lyrical um, nat- nature poems that described, you know, the open marshes, salt marshes there in Glen County, uh, Georgia. And things that I've, so marshes and swamps that we've talked about, and we talked about Willow the Wisp, which are basically <coughs> uh, the gases that mm-hmm. come up that, you know, people see. And I'm, I literally <laughs> typed in this morning, like, how many people have died in marshes? And, of course, Google did not give me a a decent answer. (laughs) Just didn't, like, say, like, Uh, 2,576,000. Because there are so many of these cautionary folklores about Mm -hmm. marshes. And then I started thinking, okay, really, what's the difference between a marsh and a swamp um, and a bog and a fen that we all hear about will-o'-the-wisp happening or these, you know, these phantoms that happen? Mm -hmm. So marshes are actually nutrient-rich rich wetlands that support a variety of weeds and grasses they don't have any trees Mm -hmm. while swamps are there and they're able to support woody plants and trees bogs are characterized by their poor soil and high peat content while fins have less peat and more plant life than bogs and i think bogs and fins happen more like maybe over in europe Mm -hmm. Uh, you hear more about that um, over there where we definitely have more of the swamp marsh and, and coastal marshes, definitely. Yeah. So the dangers of 
marshes and I couldn't find like, you know, well, this, how many people will have, you know, gone into the marsh? Because obviously there's people like with a clicker or something that I was expecting. I don't know. Um, but there was an article and I, I couldn't find the original article, uh, but there was an article like saying, hey, Vic, visit your and support your local marshlands. And this was actually out of New Jersey, mm. um, you know, marshes all along that coast there. And there was this one guy, kind of his response, and he was like, wait the fuck up. We don't need like everybody going out and exploring the marshes because the marshes are dangerous. Mm -hmm. And he was saying like, there's ticks, there's chiggers, there's mosquitoes, there's snapping turtles, snakes. There's all these things in the marshes that if you're just like thinking it's going to be like a Disney movie or something, it's not. They're mm -hmm. very dangerous. Um, there are spots where no grass grows and some are solid enough to bear human weights, but other places aren't, but they look like they're solid enough. It's like quicksand. And they're actually holes that are covered with scum where a man can sink over his head and out of sight in an instant. So I think that has a lot to do with the folklore of marshes mm -hmm. where people will step into these holes that look like solid land and then just disappear. And the guy that's writing this kind of, uh, uh, answering article to this uh, first one. He's like, I've lived in the marsh for like, or near marshes for over 50 years. You know, we'd go hunting in the marshes and stuff. And he's like, he could still see his brother up to his chest with his shotgun across a hole, preventing him sinking further because he stepped into a hole and had no oh, idea. Wow. Um, <coughs> and he's talking about like hordes of vicious green flies that are there, these tiny gnats that'll just come and bite you until your eyelids swell shut. Oh, wow. He also says that there's waterborne mites that bore into your skin um, and just make you itch for weeks. So he's like, unless you know what you're doing, stay out of the marshes. Mm -hmm. And it's also humans damage marsh. Yeah. I mean, you step on one thing and it kills it kind of, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So just stay out of your marshes. <laughs> if you see pretty things in the moonlight, stay on the edge. Don't just assume to, they're going to kill you. Just assume it's going to kill you <laughs> and you're going to step in a hole and drown. And that is my story. Don't drown don't drown that's kind of the theme for this month right yeah although it's too cold to really like be drowning but don't be going through marshes don't be don't follow any strange lights don't follow any stranger strange danger lights. stranger danger all right somebody singing you a sweet song just find a seat i do want to hear that song though yes that up in just a minute we will it is so beautiful i guess that's the show then all righty so we look forward to next week and we'll see you then bye bye Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our website, thestrangesouth.com. All our social media links are there. And for extra fun and goodies, join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast. And if you love us so much that you want to support what we do and get bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes photos and videos, please consider joining our Patreon, Patreon, Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thestrangesouth.